Welcome to the Discovering Our Scars podcast, where we share personal experiences so we can learn from each other. I'm Steph. And I'm Beth. I've been in recovery for 15 years and am the author of Discovering My Scars. My memoir about what's done in the darkness eventually comes to light. I'm a lawyer turned pastor who's all about self-awareness and emotional health because I know what it's like to have neither of those things. Beth and I have been friends for years, have gone through a recovery program together, and when I wanted to start a podcast, she was the only name to came to mind as co-host. I didn't hesitate to say yes because I've learned a lot from sharing personal experiences with Steph over the years. We value honest conversations and we hope you do too. On today's show, we're going to have an honest conversation titled Our Darkest Moments Mental Health Awareness Month. Then we'll share a slice of life and the show will close with questions for reflection, where we'll invite you to reflect on a conversation in your own life. So this is May. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're recording in May and we'll release this episode in May. And it turns out that May is Mental Health Awareness Month. Yes. And yes. it's also our anniversary month. It is. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. Stuff. Yeah. Three years. Three years. Three years. Three years. Although, you know, part of that was... COVID. COVID. So it's so been five it's, years. It's been forever. Five years. <laughs> yeah. Now, I didn't know that May was Mental Health Awareness Month. Uh, I didn't know it when we started the podcast or on our first anniversary or on our second anniversary. I don't think I even knew it then. Um, I am assume it must just be a year old then. Um, I don't know. Have you looked it up and how old it's yeah, been? Yeah, I did look it up and it was established in the 1940s, way before us. So no, last year was 2021, but <laughs> so it's always pretty much okay, been our lives. Um, yeah, Mental Health Awareness Month. So hmm. I don't know how we missed that. I but was I, not aware of it. Uh, yeah, I lacked yeah. awareness about it. Yeah. But I like that um, our podcast launched in Mental Health Awareness Month because that has that that was a big driving factor for us and even wanting to do this. I guess that makes me think, why is there a Mental Health Awareness Month? Yeah. And I think that then takes us back to the reason we even had this podcast in the first place was we wanted to have honest conversations about things that make us different. And one of those major things is mental health. It's something that is not talked about. It may be talked about, but not necessarily in a real productive way that I've I've heard or seen kind of in the mass. And so that was a big driving force to to do the podcast. Yeah, I think there's a a lack of understanding about mental health. I think that there are still it's those people. Yeah, yeah. It's not something. It's not something. I don't have a problem with no. my mental health. No, my, no. you know. But oh yeah, there are some folks over there, and there's like this stigma to it that if you're not, if your mental health is not whatever it is expected to be, that somehow you know you're really especially deficient or something, which is so silly, or or even to think about it in terms of mental illness. Well, mental illness that's that's like the criminally insane, right? That's like the Anthony Hopkins on uh, Silence of the Lambs. Like that's, they're the crazy people. No, everybody, mental health matters for everybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I I mean, it's different for everybody. So I wouldn't, I would definitely say there's different levels of it, but it doesn't matter what level you are on. I mean, I would say that my mental health experience is different than, your mental health experience, but that doesn't make yours or mine any less or any more. I think everyone's journey is different. Everyone has different things they need to work on and kind of learn about. And, um, and so that's part of why we even started this three years ago. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. And you know, we can, we, we seem to accept like culturally, socially, we accept the idea that like everyone's physical health is individual and personal and unique but for some reason i 
it seems to me like we're not quite that comfortable with the idea of mental health being individual, unique, you know, varied, but that we kind of want a one size fits all approach. I still in the news, I mean, I still feel like I see it as just like, uh, you know, recently, um, Naomi Judd, Naomi Judd, um, died by suicide. Yes. And, um, you know, I feel like it was just, and she was an advocate too, which was even like more like, wow. But I feel like in the news, it was just kind of like, I didn't see any kind of concrete conversation about it. It was just sad, which it is sad, obviously very sad and, um, kind of everything surrounding it. But I just feel like there could be more conversation around it. And so, you know, all I know though, is to talk about my own mental health and you know what I do. I can't really, I'm not a professional psychologist, anything like that. So, you know, we can't tell people what they should do, which we wouldn't. We wouldn't. We wouldn't. wouldn't, We're not shitting on anyone. We wouldn't shit on you. No. no. (laughs) We don't like for people to shit on us and we're not going to shit on others. Yeah. I agree with you that even in the wake of, of Naomi Judd's death by suicide there, I haven't really felt a shift in the conversation at all. And it still is, you know, mental health is invisible Mm. until it's not. Yeah. Right. And so, um, but we don't really have productive conversations about mm. it. We just like, Oh, and we lost another one or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like it was a failure. Um, right. Which is complicated. Cause we, we had, um, we had Desiree stage on who, um, is, uh, has a whole website about, uh, failed or yeah, people who survived their suicide yes. attempts. Yeah. Survived suicide attempts. And, that was a very interesting conversation because she definitely um, kind of made me think of suicide in a different way mm-hmm. and kind of look at it in a different way. But what was so interesting to me was, I don't know if you've found the detail about what happened, but um, I guess Naomi, her daughter and a friend were over and they were together. And then Naomi went and, died by suicide. Oh, I didn't know that. And the daughter and friend were there and it was a split second, you know, and that's what, that's what Desiree said is it just happens. It's not something that's necessarily, it's something that they've been like planning or plotting or whatever. It's just something where like everything is just too much in that moment. And that kind of decisions made as the only option, you know? Right. Which is why sometimes she, I mean, she talked about, you know, if you could just get through that one moment, yeah, you know, that it really, it really can change everything. And it almost seems like in, in this situation, obviously we don't know her life. We don't know everything she was going through, but um, it does seem like they were doing everything they could for the, for their mom. And she was doing, you know, her, her work. Um, so yeah. And I don't think there's any easy answers to kind of this and, and how the outcome could be differently and things like that. You know, we're definitely wanted to talk about the fact that it's Mental Health Awareness Month. We think that's important and we kind of bring bring to some light on that. Uh, we also wanted to talk about some darkness and that in our own lives. And we have obviously talked about these things previously. Um, but uh, I think we kind of wanted to just have maybe a heavier conversation than we typically would. Because, uh, hey, it's three year anniversary. Let's celebrate with some heaviness. <laughs> Well, you, I know you've shared some of your darkest moments with us before, but are there any dark moments that come to mind that you haven't talked much about that you would be willing to share today? Well, a lot of my dark moments 
that, you know, I tend to think of are things that happened in my kind of teen years, teen, early 20s. Um, you know, something that kind of just like a visual that came back to me was um, when I was in high school, I used to, it. I was really dealing with depression, but not actively working on it. I was depressed, but didn't really know it or know the words or the ways to work through it. And I would, it would take every ounce of my being to just go to school and be a, be a human and what, whatever the show you're supposed to put on. And I just remember going home and I would turn up my music really loud and I would, I had a punching bag and I would just punch the punching bag to get just out all of this anger and all of this like resentment and all these things that I didn't know what they were, where they're from or why I had them, but I just would punch that punching bag and that, and then I would um, engage in self-injury, non-suicidal mm. self-injury. And, um, you know, we've talked about it, but it was really about feeling something when I just felt numb. And those were definitely dark moments for me because it was something that those were my coping mechanisms was to punch a punching bag, which was good. That I approve of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the self-injury, not as as healthy as punching the punching bag, but it's all I could do to just stay afloat. And, and so those were, those were definitely tough moments and it became routine also. And that was something that was kind of dangerous for me was that that was my, that was my, you know, mental health toolkit was to go home, play loud music, <laughs> punch a punchy bag and engage in self-injury, you know? And, um, you know, so if I didn't have that practice or if something interrupted that practice, then, um, then I wasn't able to kind of keep up my show. And that's ultimately what happened when I moved to Orlando was I didn't have that same system and security that I had in Tallahassee and why things got even more out of control than they were because I wasn't dealing with it. I mean, I wasn't dealing with it in a healthy, productive way. And I know that you've unpacked a lot of this and you've, and you've done your work on it now to understand the roots of that, um, of all of those feelings, you know, the roots of the anger, the roots of the, the need to connect your emotions and and to access your emotions and to, to be able to see, you know, okay, this is why I'm having a feeling or how I have a feeling. But if I didn't know all of that about your story, you know, just, just the idea of a teenager going in their room and turning on loud music and then hitting a punching bag, like, (laughs) yeah, teenage angst is a real thing, right? Like, teenagers I love teenagers I would I know choose, I would choose teenagers over toddlers any day but there's a lot of drama being a teenager and you know part of like finding your way in the world appears to be just assigning a lot of value to everything everything yeah. matters you know so I I guess if I didn't I guess I know that you eventually understood that wasn't just like your average or you yeah. know, teenage angst that there were other things behind it but Yeah. And it's, yeah. And there's no like this, this action is because this, like there's no easy answer to say like someone engages in self-injury, this is this, or this is that, you know, I actually knew somebody in middle school that engaged in self-injury. I still actually, I don't know if there was ever kind of, if she ever discovered like why that was something she engaged in, but, um, she told me about it. She told mm. people about it. Like that was something that was very like um, kind of an attention seeking thing for her to kind of show what she did. And like, for me, that was never um, part of my self injury. It was, I, I mean, I worked really hard to keep it a secret. And it's interesting because 
you know, I've now discovered where, um, kind of all of that, um, mm-hmm. self-injury, like where the root cause of that was and what I was really coping with and trying to deal with. But at the time I remember working so hard to kind of hide the scars and hide, um, like put on a mask of who, how I felt like I just felt like just crummy all the time. And I remember trying really hard to cover it, but thought it was so obvious thought like Mm. everyone could tell that I'm depressed and that I'm like engaging in self injury and everyone's going to know. And, um, after I wrote my book and really was honest about everything, everyone that knew me back then was like, I had no idea. Mm. Like, especially my mom, obviously the person that was closest to me, we were close then still close now. Yeah. Uh, but she had no idea. And, um, so I did a good job. Hey. <laughs> well, it's one of the reasons that mental health issues are invisible, yeah. right? It's because it's literally invisible. Yeah. Cause we make it that way. Yeah. Yeah. So how about you? Do you have some darkness that you haven't shared with us? I think I've talked a little bit about, um, having really severe anger issues. I mean, to me, they seem severe. I don't know if there's a scale for these kinds of things, but, um, anger issues when my kids were toddlers enough that it, that it, made me realize I needed to go to counseling. I needed to get help that I was out of control in my emotional response and the way I was overreacting to, you know, to just normal everyday occurrences and, and not feeling just, just never feeling okay. Um, That was very dark. I mean, there was a time when I keep in mind, I really, really wanted to be a mom. Right. And so Went to a lot of trouble to become a mom. Yeah. Um, a lot of, I mean, we did infertility treatments and then ended up, you know, adopting both our kids from Russia. And then I'm a couple years into it and I'm like, wow, I'm really, really bad at this. I'm just really bad at this. This is painful. And I love these kids so much. They deserve a better mom. And so actually like trying to logic through, okay, well, how do I, like, how do I leave so that Stephen can marry someone who's better, who will be a better wife and a better mother. Like that was dark. Mm -hmm. That was a dark time for sure. And then when I did start, you know, with my counselor, that just felt like, I mean, the first few months of that just felt like it was nothing but darkness Mm -hmm. because I would get through a layer and then realize, oh, we're not done. There's another (laughs) layer and another layer, you know? And then six months later, have to circle back to that, you know, three layers up because it just, I had suppressed so much. There was so much there waiting for me to, um, to address it and to really feel the emotion of it so that I could release it. That there was a lot of, of darkness in that, uh, accessing old, old grief. Um, when I was just about a month before I turned 13, um, my oldest brother was hit by a train and killed. And I just never processed that grief. I mean, I just was like, okay, this is a lot of feeling. I don't want to feel it. I'm not going to feel it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I was starting high school. So there was a lot of distraction and, you know, and then I kind of rolled from high school to, you know, just college and then immediately got married and then law school. And I just, I just had a lot of, um, I kept really busy so that I didn't have to deal with it. And it just waited for me. (laughs) It just waited and grew like an ugly, nasty tumor. Um, that ended up creating a lot of darkness in my life. So again, though, that's kind of that I kind of relate then to what you're saying about how on the outside, it looked like I was really high functioning. Mm -hmm. You know, I 
graduated from high school in 1993 and had a bachelor's degree by December 1995. That's some pretty high functioning stuff, right? To get a college degree in two and a half years, a four year degree in two and a half years. And then, you know, to roll into law school and made law review my first semester, you know, which means you've got to be in the top 10%. And like, I was functioning at a very high level. And yet in other ways, I wasn't functioning at all. Do you think a lot of people are like that? I think so, which makes Mental Health Awareness Month all the more important, right? To, to invite people into their own mental health journey. Well, and the fact that there is a Mental Health Awareness Month makes me, th- I think, just actually continues to tell us that it's not talked about enough. If we have to have a month dedicated to it, you know, why do we have a Black History Month? Why do we have a Women's Month? It's because we need to be more aware of these things. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously the next thing is we are going to need a white man month because <laughs> wait, ma- January, February, March. Oh wait, no, we actually have 12 months of those. Never mind. Those never mind. Yeah. We're good. <laughs> Do you think there's anybody that doesn't have invisible scars? You know, we call our podcast discovering our scars. Your memoir is discovering my scars. You have literal like visible physical scars and also, Invisible scars, right? But do you think that there are people who don't have that, who don't have invisible scars? I mean, I can't tell somebody what they do or don't have in their life. That's fair. So I think that's a, you know, that's something that everyone has to answer for themselves and has to choose to be truthful with themselves or not. And um, I, I mean, I can't imagine not having scars as we talk about them, mental, physical, all that, I, I don't think you could, you know, live life without having some kind of scars of some capacity, whether you've discovered them yet or not. Like, mm. I think it's, you know, to be human is to be scarred. Every day you turn on the TV and there's just something worse and something worse. And, and it all relates to mental health. It all mm-hmm. relates to mental health. I, I truly believe that. And if we in this country did a better job of talking about mental health, normalizing it, you know, allowing people to have mental health days. I know when I worked uh, a nine to five, I used my sick days as mental health days, but I was really like, that wasn't a thing where you could say it was a mental health day. You had to say you're sick and I'd have to be like, I'm sick. Yeah. And it's just like, no, you know, I need a mental break. And that is just as, as important as a, like I have a cough. When I was out of town, um, Hannah, had a day that she was just going to be testing at school. There was no reason for her to go because she wasn't having to take the test. And Stephen emailed the attendance office because that's the procedure, right? Mm-hmm. And I, if I had done it, I would have said something like, Hannah's not feeling well today. She won't be there, which mm-hmm. would be true, sort of, right? But he was like, <laughs> Hannah is taking a mental health day. She will be absent. Thank you. Please excuse this absence. And what did they say? And they said, okay. Oh, okay. But I, I mean, like it just, it didn't, it wouldn't even have occurred to me to be like, she's going to take a mental health day. Of course she can take a mental health yeah. day, you know? Oh, interesting. So Never, you would have lied. I, I would have, I would have not used the word, the phrase mental health. I would have been like, yeah, she's not feeling up to going today. That's true. So he normalized it. He and, normalized and it. And you went with the old standard that, Yes. Because when they got that response, they were probably like, oh, okay, I get that. Yeah. You know? And, but if you had said sick, okay, another sick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, meanwhile, you know, she's done with all of her classes. There's no reason for her to go to school. So all of it was so. a lie though. Cause she didn't need to go just cause she didn't need to go. 
I mean, he he was like, she's at the end of the school of her whole school career. You know, like these, she could have a mental health day. She could take the day for her own mental health or whatever. But that is means that how her. she described it? Or she just said, I don't want to go. She just said it'll be a waste of my time to go. OK, so it was both were lies. Technically, <laughs> technically, in this scenario, both were lies. Or maybe neither of them would have been lies. That gets into a whole nother thing. Like, why do we have to lie <laughs> yeah. to, you know, you're her parents. You say she's not going to be in school. Why can't you just say there's no reason for her to be here today. She's not going to be there. Yeah. What, what, why, why couldn't you say that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, when you were in a, when you were a lawyer, wasn't that your first job? Mm -hmm. Like, like a nine. My like, first career. Yeah. 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 Would you have even considered, like, did you take mental health days? Never. Like in your mind when you were sick, was it a mental health day or never? Like you only took sick days if you were actually physically sick or you didn't take them. Uh, I really didn't. I, I don't think I really took sick days. I mean, everybody worked when they were sick. The only time I remember being like, I really can't go to work is if I was having really bad cramps. Mm. Because, I mean, I was physically yeah uncomfortable. And I was like, I, you have to be able to think and read. And like, I can't do any of that. That's what I really remember using my sick days for. Okay. Well, that would be sick. Yeah. Even though when I would call out for like cramps or something, I would still feel like, it was wrong. I, can't I know it's like, cause you, you feel like you need like a physical act of some mm -hmm. difference to be able to justify it, which right. again, I think is why mental health is so hard to justify because there's nothing physical typically that you could see or like say that would, you know, Oh, I can tell right away that you're, right. you know, but a, a, a cough is an, is an act that we all know. Oh, sick. Okay, great. Yes. And, but then when you have cramps, I'm sick, but I don't know how to verbalize that to you. Right. And I feel like we have to have things be obvious or then it's too complicated. Right. I'm sick, but you can't see it. Yeah. Yeah. And then you feel like it's oversharing to say cramps or you're like uh -huh. highly embarrassed or um, like, I don't think I ever said that. Like I'm calling out for cramps, Yeah. but I would, I had, I yeah. did before. And I called out for mental health reasons, although I felt bad about it. Like mm. saying I was sick when I, I definitely did when I had um, kind of my career jobs, I definitely did call out for, for mental health days. And I wished I was able to say it was mental health day, but it it's, wasn't recognized it, that way. I mean, even, even with as evolved as you and I are and all the conversation we've had about it, there's still like, even just hearing it, there's this little sense in, in which I'm like, oh, that is like, that's just like a skip day. That's like a, mm, really? Yeah. I think if somebody told you I need a mental health day, you'd be like, oh, I'd be like, oh, you just need a day off. Okay. Really? You would think yeah, that even I today? Think I would. I think I would. Wow. Interesting. I, if somebody said I need a mental health day, I'd be like, good for you. Yes. Take your day. Yeah. And I would like totally respect it. And I'd be like, so good for you for recognizing that. But you would think they're just goofing off. Yeah. And it's okay to goof off sometimes. Well, then just say you want a goof day. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever taken a goof day. <laughs> well, now, I mean, do you really even work stuff? I don't, you know, every day is a goof day now, right? <laughs> well, speaking of mental health days, like, honestly, I had a really hard day after we planned our episode yesterday. And right after I had a couple of things that like really hit me hard. And I had a pretty bad night because I was like overanalyzing everything. And then I woke up and... I was just like, I don't know if I can do an episode about mental health today because I am struggling with my mental health. I was like, either I'll talk about the podcast or I'm just going to tell Beth, you know what? I'm not going to be able to do it today. 
And now that I know if I had said that, you would have been like, she's just goofing off. No, I don't think I would be that way with you. <laughs> I don't know. Your face makes me think you'd be like, oh. <laughs> I take your mental health very seriously. Well, thank you. Is it more important <laughs> than your own? Because that's a problem. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> No, I wouldn't say more important. I would say I trust your evaluation of your mental health. I will say something that I've realized about my mental health specifically, because again, that's all I know. It's very fragile and it's very in balance. And when it's not in balance, I got to get it in balance as quick as I can because it could go down fast. And I always kind of have a level of depression in my life, um, like in just varying degrees and I can really get low fast. Um, and one of my things that I, one of the best ways I've been able to really keep a very clear head and just something that's been so good for my mental health has been kayaking. Mm-hmm. And I go kayaking usually about once a week. And if it's been more than a week, I'm like antsy and I'm like, I need to get on the water. Mm. Like, it's almost a little strange. It's almost like I'm like, need a drug yeah <laughs> like, yeah where's my drug right now <laughs> where's the fresh air where is it, where is it? <laughs> um and uh and yeah i've gotten so used to like this is what i do and if i get to go more than once a week oh it's gravy i mm. love it it's i love it but yesterday so i've had a tiny bit of an issue with my kayak um a little tiny hole that keeps reoccurring it's very mm. annoying but it doesn't mean i can't use it and then i had another piece of it rip oh, again no. doesn't mean it's not usable but it's annoying and I want it fixed because it's under a warranty. And so I contacted the company and they were not responding with favorable things for me. And I was responding back. And then they wanted me to ship them my kayak yesterday to California to fix. And I was like freaking out because I was like, no, it, first of all, it'll take a week to get there. Second of all, how, what are you going to do to fix it? Are you going to, how long is it going to take to send? And I was freaking out because I was not going to have my medicine for my mental health for a long time. And, um, so I messaged them back and said, uh, no, give me a manager that can explain to me the process. And actually I got a call one hour later from California and, um, they gave me some solutions that I can do myself and they're sending me a part. So thank you. (laughs) They're going (laughs) to let you DIY it. I love that. (laughs) Um, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So, um, I'm going to work on that, but still it gives me anxiety that like that I, I don't want to mess it up. Like I'm yeah. all about DIYing, but I don't want to mess it up. Um, and I, uh, it's just, there was a couple other things that just were like kind of taken away at me. And it was just like, okay, I don't know if I can uh, function at my, at, mm-hmm. at a certain level, but um, I got a lot of things to done today and accomplished. So that helped me like helped you stay rally. on the, mm-hmm. stay on the right path. So yeah, for me, it's important to stay productive not just busy, but productive and moving forward and even little things. Sometimes I just have to set little goals for myself. Like sometimes I, I really like, I don't love to organize, but I like when things are organized. So sometimes mm. just like organizing one thing would be like a big accomplishment and that would be enough, but it would be a simple thing. I don't have to use my brain too much. Um, and so depending on kind of my mood, I will make little goals for myself. But that's the big thing I've learned about my mental health is I have to be structured, especially working for myself. Um, and have a plan every day of what I'm going to do. Cause this week, actually I was supposed to go out of town this weekend. I was planning towards that. And then I found out that somebody that we were going to see has COVID, mm. <laughs> which, um, threw a wrench in the plan, threw a wrench in the plan. And so that messed up my scheduling. And so that was that, that did not 
help me like mentally to be like, wait a minute. Okay. Okay. So that's a big part for me is just to stay organized, but also stay flexible and plan every day. And, and I do, I, at the end of the day, I plan my day of what the next day is going to look like. And even if I don't get those things done, like I, and even if I'm not feeling up to it, like I have my like kind of punch lists that I can go to and be like, what do I need to do? Okay. It's written here. I'll go do that. I'll, I'll work towards that. And that helps you like not spiral. Right. So a mental health day in that sense is not, is not a day to goof off. Well, so there are times where I'll have my whole plan day scheduled and I'll wake up and I'll be like, I just want to watch TV mm-hmm. and I'll allow myself to do that. And yeah. sometimes I'll just like not to get anything done for my list and or sometimes I'll have just get a couple of things, but I'll have I'll have allowed myself to, you know, do other things just the other day because this week kind of got all messed up with the, the, the travel plans. So I threw something in the day that I w- didn't have scheduled, but I was like, this would be fun. And I could push the other stuff off because my trip has been canceled now. So, so I do, I mean, I do allow that kind of flexibility and if I'm not feeling up to it, okay, then I won't do it. But I try to stay on course cause I, that is good for my mental health to, to have goals and to accomplish those things and, but also not be upset if I don't. Yeah. Not have to be productive. 60 hours a week or whatever, you know, whatever random number. Well, we've talked about, we've talked about that before is like not having to like not finding value in yourself because you're productive Mm -hmm. or through being productive, like being productive for me is actually helps my mental health. It's not just to be able to like say, look what I did today. I mean, people ask me like, what do you have planned today? Or what did you do today? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I can show you my list. Right. (laughs) It's like, that's not like the thing that motivates me is like, I got 15 things done. Those are things that help me to just be mentally well. And I don't know. That's just, that's, that's what, that's part of my mental health toolkit is to have a schedule and to try to stick with it. And I feel good at the end of the day. How about you? Do you thrive on a schedule? I need to have a general outline of what's going to happen in the day. Um, and I, I start every morning, you know, once I get to like get to my desk where I'm going to be working, like making a list of, okay, you know, I want to try to knock these things out. Um, but I don't always stick to it. Um, I'm, I would say that I'm fairly easily, easily distracted, not in like an ADHD way. Um, but in a like, oh yeah, I could do that project now or that project or that project. And so sometimes I kind of bounce between projects, um, which is often not productive at all, but it is like how I can kind of like mentally work, you know, like I'll researching, researching something in scripture, you know, and I'll get an hour into it and be like, okay, I need to let that settle for a minute and I'll work on something else. Um, So I, I definitely bounce around, but I would say that days where I really don't accomplish anything, I have to categorize them for myself. It's like, okay, well, that was rest. Mm-hmm. That hmm. was Sabbath. And oh, wow. That, and that's okay. Right. Wow. So you have, have to, to justify, justify it. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I have to justify it. Cause I do like to be, I do like to be productive. And honestly, mm-hmm. like, I know this is true for everyone. Like there's plenty to do. Yeah. Yeah. You know? <laughs> there's just, there's always something that needs yeah. to be done. Um, this is a really, really busy time of year. So there's, plenty of stuff going around. So one of the things that you say in our intro is that your memoir is about how what's done in darkness eventually comes to light. And then, you know, we've titled this episode, Our Darkest Moments. 
So what does it mean to you when something is kept in the darkness? Like, what are we referring to there? Um, darkness to me is something that is something that we're afraid of. I think, mm. I think that's something typically when there's things that, you know, afraid of the dark and afraid of things in the dark. So I would think darkness think makes me think of something we're afraid of, something we don't want to see, something that is too like appalling or gross to shine, to see in the light, mm-hmm. you know? So uh, I kind of think of, uh, what is it? Phantom of the Opera mm-hmm. where they like, uh, don't, isn't he like kept in the basement or something like, or in the shadows because definitely in the shadows yeah. or the hunchback of Notre yeah. Dame is kept up in the bell exactly, tower because they're too ugly for the world to see. Yeah. And, and I think that is what happens when we keep our mental health in the darkness. You know, for me, when I kept mine in the darkness, it was something I was ashamed of. I was um, afraid what people would say. I was afraid of what it, what I would discover when I truly turn the light on. And I think there's a part of probably most of us that think that it's easier when it's in the dark and when there's not light on it because we don't actually have to look at it. But I think it's actually the opposite is we give it power when it's in the darkness. We, cause I mean, think about that. Like what is something that, you know, when it's dark, you're afraid of, but when it's light, you're like, Oh, that's not right. You know? Right. Yeah. I mean, there's even that expression, right? Skeletons in the closet. Yeah. Like you're going to hide it away, tuck it away. Uh, but I've definitely had that experience where it would, it's late at night and I'm thinking about something and it just feels like an insurmountable problem. And then, you know, eventually exhaustion will take over. I'll go to sleep. I'll wake up the next day and be like, mm-hmm. Oh, that's no big deal. Why yeah. was I even worried about that? It's something about those feelings. They're bigger in the darkness. Mm-hmm. Well, and something that um, I, you know, I kayak a lot and something that's during this season, uh, this is alligator mating season. So they're more active right now. And um, did not know that. Yes. Um, yeah. April to June is mating season. Uh, so be on the watch, but that's not going to stop me from kayaking, obviously. <laughs> um <laughs> And the more alligators I see, the less fearful. Like I used to be very scared mm. of alligators. Um, but I can think of, you know, I think it's pretty normal that people are scared of alligators. And I'm not um, not scared, but I have a, I have a healthy respect for them, mm-hmm. I would say. I could definitely tell you that if I, I don't kayak at night, number one, because <laughs> when it's dark, the sounds are way scarier. But mm. I can't even imagine seeing like an alligator. Because when you see an alligator, you think you just see an alligator. But when you're in the water, you just see like a head. Mm. And I can't even imagine seeing like just eyes looking at me in the dark. But when I see eyes looking at me when I'm during the day, it's really not that scary. Mm. And it's just it's just like a it's like a healthy respect for them. Like, this is your lake. Hi, Gator. I'll go over here. But at night, I mean, I just I I think I would just pass out right there. (laughs) You know, I've heard people say that, too, about like hurricanes that when a hurricane comes through at night and you're in your house and you can just hear the trees breaking and you don't know if oh that gosh. break is the one that's going to fall on your house yes. or not, like how much scarier that is just not being able to see it because it, because of the darkness. And I, I think it's really powerful to, to, to flip that around and apply it to our mental health, to apply it to our emotional well being. you know, that, that, you know, for all those years, I just thought I, I don't have to think about the grief of losing my brother because I'm just going to stuff that away. No, no, no. 
putting it away in the closet, putting it away in the darkness didn't serve me well at all. Yeah. Yeah, And that's something that I strive to keep working on my stuff so that I don't accumulate the pile because I did. I had that pile. I had that pile for years and years and years and didn't start dealing with it until I was in my 20s. And like you said, those first sessions, the first time you start working on are just so hard. And you're just like, things are never going to get better. This is never going to get, you know, and through the years of therapy and work on myself, it has gotten better. It totally has. And when I have issues, I deal with them now instead of, you know, in 20 years, Mm -hmm. like I was before. Um, So, you know, I think mental health is not something that is like one and done. It's something that is like a constant journey and, but it does get easier the more you are aware of it and the more that you are constantly working on it. Yeah. There's an irony to, to wanting to keep something in the darkness and to not deal with it um, because, because, Oh, if I address that or I acknowledge it or I deal with it, then uh, it's going to change how I see myself. Right. There's an irony to, to then how the invisible changes happen and you actually are changed by it because mm. you don't shine a light on it. Yeah. You know, there's, there's something, um, there's something to that for sure. I know people in my life that I've, I've known forever and I can see it. I can see it in their lives, how much they haven't dealt with stuff and just every year, how they get worse and worse and their personalities change and they become like these hardened people. And it's just so hard to see but that was part of my journey too, is realizing I can't change somebody and it has right. to always be a personal choice. I can, you know, lead by example of my own life, but I can't change somebody and I can't tell somebody how to live their life and I can't, you know, harp on that. And and that is a hard thing to learn. It's also a hard thing to learn just to listen to somebody and not give them all the answers because honestly, I don't have the answers for them. I, th- you know, when I was younger, I thought I had the answers to everything. The older I get, the more I'm like, no, I have answers for me, maybe, but I can't, you know, (laughs) tell anybody how to live their life. Life is hard enough to like be shitting on people. Yeah, (laughs) it's true. So please, when we talk about these things, don't think we're shitting on you for, I mean, maybe you're, you know, better than us at these things. You know, we have no idea where, where listeners are in in these kind of journeys and things like that. But I really try to just focus on my stuff because that's all I know. I don't know anyone else's lives and... I want to know your life. Like I'd love to sit down and have a conversation with anybody about their life. And I, I really try to be an active listener um, when somebody is sharing, sharing stuff with me, because I know how important it is for me to have that when I'm sharing. So I try to do that for others. So I do want to say that I have been filming this episode. You have? I had no idea. (laughs) This has been our first episode (laughs) that I think we've recorded like this. Three years. So I have a YouTube channel. I have two YouTube channels. One's called Mother Daughter Projects DIY. And one is called Hi, I'm Steph. And so um, on Hi, I'm Steph, I like to share about my life and mostly I've been sharing about greyhounds and kayaking because that's a big part of my life, especially my mental health life. That's how I keep kind of mentally well. Um, But I thought it would be cool to share some behind the scenes of a podcast. And that is what I recorded today's episode, which I didn't even realize was our anniversary episode. Right. You know, before I planned that. So if you want to see visuals from today's episode, we'll put a link to that below. And on our third anniversary, it would be great to remind you that we appreciate reviews of the podcast um, and reviews in podcast apps, like in Apple Podcasts, you can review at the very bottom or reviews in person. 
tell your friend about the podcast, send them a link. It's very easy to do. And, um, you know, share it with somebody you think would, would get some value from it. And I will also tell you that if you're looking for some good quality Twitter content, you can find Beth on Twitter <laughs> at Bethodist the Methodist. Yeah, I think the handle is actually just at Beth Demi. I think it's my name, but I'll, I'll put a link to it in there. At Beth Demi. At the end of each episode, we end with questions for reflection. These are questions based on today's show that Beth will read and leave a little pause between for you to answer to yourself, or you can find a PDF on our Buy Me a Coffee page. Number one, what does it mean to you when something is kept in the dark? Number two, what is your darkest moment? Number three, do you tend to minimize your own mental health because it's not so bad? And number four, what can you do or start or continue to begin processing and discovering your own scars? Discovering Our Scars podcast is produced by Beth Demi and Stephanie Kostopoulos. Thanks for joining us.